can be seated. Amen. And thank you so much again for being here, and thank you for the music this morning. Uh, we are continuing in our series, Know Him Through Prayer, and today we're, uh, the simple title is Confidence, and we've talked about communication, we've talked of confession, communion, all of which are tied to you and I knowing God, especially as we talk about it in a sense of prayer. And so uh, we communicate with the ones we love. We confess because of the heart of love that we have. We abide with Him. We commune with Him as we looked at last week again with the ones we love. And as we look at this uh, towards Christ, it's in the same similar fashion. The more that we know Him and love Him, the more we desire to communicate, the more that we desire to confess because out of a heart of love, I, am, I don't want to hold those things from the people that we love. And the more that we have that communication and that love and that, that abiding desire, we, we want to be with them. We want to rest with them. We want to sit with them. We want to, to hang out with the people that we love. And with God, it's the same thing. And today, we're going to take another uh, practical step, if you will, that goes right back really to the very beginning of where this whole series started, which is knowing God intimately on a, a personal, face-to-face manner. I made the statement something of the nature of, uh, we ought to desire to know His face and not His hand. So many times in our Christian lives, we love His hand because His hand is what gives us all the things that we want. But we fail to know His face in an intimate, personal manner. And so this morning we're talking about confidence. Confidence or trust and faith are so vital in the journey that we're in with our Christian lives. See, for minus confidence in the Lord, our communication suffers, our confession suffers, our abiding communion, communing with God suffers. Today, as we look at confidence, as we look at all of these things, we will dive into some of that. Because our hearts and my heart and my, my prayer in this is that we would, uh, as I stated earlier, as a church, we would desire to know God in prayer, but individually that we would long to just be with Him in prayer and that we would speak to Him, that our hearts would be in tune with God. Today we're talking again of confidence, trust, faith. And when we are confident and have that trust or have that faith in something or someone, we don't even often think about certain things. There's an avenue to my trust and my confidence, my faith in my wife that allows me to just, I just do things. I trust I, I'm able to, to just go about my day. Maybe it's in a, in a, a field of your a specialty with work or something else. When you're confident in it, you don't have to stop and think too much of it. I, am, I love sports. I speak of sports all the time. But there was never a time in sports where I had to think much. It was natural to me and I was confident in my ability. So I just reacted. We would always say, and I've, I've told my children, not, they don't, they're not heavily involved in sports at this point, but Madison has started to play volleyball. And the, the older that she gets, the more that she understands, I'll tell her this. Stop thinking and just play. Sometimes... In many areas of our lives, we, we begin to, we overthink so many things. But when it comes to our confidence level, when we are confident in certain things, we just react. We're able to just do it. And the same thing with our walk with God. <coughs> As we are confident with God, we can just, we go, we do it. As we look at this trust and faith, 
Romans 10, 17, a verse that many of you know, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. See, our confidence, our trust, our faith comes through knowing God's word, through knowing God. And this morning, my desire, my <coughs> prayer for our church is that we would have that faith, that confidence in him. And not because we know that God can do certain things, but because we know God. That we know him. One of the things that stinks when it comes to that really doesn't stink, but it does when you stop and think about it. Sometimes you're like, man, I don't like that. But when we're confident with people, we're vulnerable to people. You know, most of us don't like to be vulnerable. I don't like to be in vulnerable situations. I want to know what's going on. I want to, I want to be in, I'm not a, a control freak, but I want to be in control of, I guess if you say you're not a control freak, you might be. <laughs> I really don't think I am, but anyway, just open up a whole Pandora's box. But anyway, so I don't, none of us really desire to just be vulnerable. But as we are confident in relationships on earth, our people that we love, the people that we're close to, the more that we grow in confidence, the more that we have trust and faith in who they are, the more that we do those, we begin to be vulnerable. As we are in confident with God as we grow in our walk with God we become vulnerable we become open we become willing to be different we, we grow <laughs> we communicate we confess we commune we cry because we're confident today I ask this are we confident in Christ do we uh, do we just go to him um, anytime the Bible says that we would pray without ceasing. Do we do that? I had a conversation with somebody just the other day and they made a statement of that and, and we talking about that and, and over lunch, I forget where it was, but we had a similar conversation. Am I, do I just, it's just, I'm so confident, I know God that it's just, it, it's a natural conversation. As I'm driving in the car, I'm, I'm speaking to God. As I'm doing different things, I just, I speak to God and thoughts come and it's God uh, God this or God I'm seeing this man God that was awesome have you ever just driven and you you look out at the mountain range and you're like man God you are amazing you think of circumstances in your life and you, you maybe it's not even a good one but you God you are good and as we know him as we do all of those things it's not so much a burden of God I need and I want and God will you all of these things. But when we know God and we're confident in God, it is it's a natural thing that we are praying without ceasing because, again, I, I know him. It's not unnatural for me to talk to my wife. She was gone. She went to Ohio several weeks back for um, a family funeral and situation. And at one point it had been we had texted back and forth and we had called. And at some point she just called me. She's like, well, we haven't really talked for like three days. I didn't get on the phone and be like, uh, what are you doing? We talked. It wasn't unnatural. And so the same thing with God. Are we confident in Christ? And I would ask you this, as I've stated over and over and over throughout this series. 
is my desire to be intimate with God, to know God, to know Him. I've stated this statement since the beginning of this series. When we get to the place of recognizing our need of intimacy with God, we will stop looking at prayer as a time of crisis management. Hopefully in your, the last several weeks, maybe you've thought of that. Is my time with God a crisis management or am I genuinely just knowing and diving into an intimate relationship with God? I put this, I've kind of twisted it today. In our intimacy with God, we are confident to always go to Him. Exodus chapter 33 is where we're going to be this morning. And we're going to take a look at the intimacy that Moses had with God, the confidence that God uh, that Moses had with God. And because of that intimacy, it led to confidence in all of those things because Moses spent time with God. Exodus chapter 33, verse number 11 is where we'll start. And it says this, if you have your Bible, I would encourage you to open it there or your phone or your iPad or your whatever it is that you use as your Bible. It says this, Exodus thirty three eleven, And the Lord spake unto Moses face to face, as a man speaketh unto his friend, and he turned again into the camp. But his servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, departed not out of the tabernacle. In verse 12, And Moses said unto the Lord, See thou sayest unto me, Bring up this people, and thou hast not let me know whom thou wilt send with me. Yet thou hast said, I know thee by name, and thou hast also found grace in my sight. Now therefore I pray thee, if I have found grace in thy sight, show me now thy way that I may know thee, that I may find grace in thy sight, and consider that this nation is thy people. And he said, My presence shall go with thee, and I will give thee rest. And he said unto him, If thy presence go not with me, Carry us not up hence, for wherein shall it be known here that I and thy people have found grace in thy sight? Is it not in that thou goest with us? So shall we be separated, I and thy people, from all the people that are upon the face of the earth. Exodus thirty-three eleven through 16 this morning, we're looking at the intimacy that Moses had with God and what it is to intimately know the Lord. Father, we come to you this morning and I give you this sermon. I've uh, studied over it. I've read through it for several days. And God, today I pray that your word would speak truth into our lives of each one that hears it this morning. God, I ask that you would use today's message to just pierce our hearts, to draw us closer to you. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. We look at this thought this morning of intimacy, having confidence with God. I don't know about you, I'm not a big famous person guy, but I know of a lot of famous people. If you watch TV, you follow people. Some of you might know, and this is an analogy that's been used a, (coughs) a million times, but we can look at TV, we can read books, we can do a lot of things, and we can know of people. I can know the facts of people. When I was growing up, uh, if you know me, I don't enjoy reading a lot. Reading is something that I have to make myself do, uh, and I've done that more lately than I've ever done in my life, and we were talking about that in our life groups, and I got made fun of because I'm like, oh, I'm being a nerd. I've read like two books in such a time, and uh, we won't say names, but the person said, "Uh, I've read like eight books this month, and I'm like, 
so, any rate, I don't like to read a lot, but when I was a kid, I loved sports, so, and I like biographies and autobiographies and those kind of things. So I remember reading books about Michael Jordan. I remember reading a book about Babe Ruth. I remember reading a book about Larry Bird. I know facts about all of those people, but I don't know any of those people. The reality is many of us in this room know facts and things about the others in this room, but we don't know those people. And when we look at this passage of Scripture, and this is going to really be the foundation of this, this, this whole sermon today, in verse number 13 it says this, I have found grace in thy sight. And then he goes this, show me now thy way, and it says that I may know thee. Show me thy way is what it says. I know facts about people, but I don't know everyone's ways. See, that word ways, show me thy ways, is literally you know the person. I know my wife's character traits. I know the things that she does, and I know her personality, and I, I, can, I can see if there's something bother her, bothering her because I know her ways. In this passage of Scripture and what we're looking at today with this intimacy, I can't have confidence in God if I don't know God. And so many times we are, we are praying to God, we are seeking after God, we love the things that God provides for us, but we don't know God's ways. Moses says, show me God, show me your ways. I don't want to just know your hand i want to know your ways i want to know you i loved this and you may uh laugh along with me <coughs> but as i was reading and studying different things there was an analogy that was used by an old pastor who's passed but he was talking about men and women and you know, when you're younger and you're dating and the guys will look out or the girl will look out and they'll see, you know, what do we see? Oh, look at her hair, look at her eyes, her smile. We pick out things, whatever it is that you like. She dresses good, he dresses good, he's fashionable, he's this, he's that. And we look at all of these things and we, man, I want to I wanna date her, I want to date him. I'd like to get to know them. And this pastor said this. And I love it. And it goes so perfectly with this simple statement. Many a man has made the mistake of falling in love with the dimple and marrying the whole girl. <laughs> we fell in love with a physical attribute. We fell in love with what we thought was something. And then all of a sudden we begin to know their ways and their ways are not that. See, with God, Moses says, God, I want to know your, way <coughs> know your ways. In Psalms 103, 7, he made known his ways unto Moses. God let Moses know because of the time that was spent, the intimacy, he knew his ways. They understood the ways, the actions, the behaviors. And this morning... This morning, my prayer as we look at confidence, as we look at all of these things, do we have confidence in God? 
So we only have confidence in God as we know his ways. And in that journey, in that confidence, God gives us rest. This morning, the first thought is confidence in God gives us rest. I'd say this is one of the things that we all long for. I don't know how many of you enjoy rest and tranquility and just peace and calm. Anybody? Look at that. Everybody loves it. We all enjoy just a rest. And this isn't just speaking of I'm going to sit on the couch and relax, kick my feet up, grab a bag of chips and a Coke. Or your choice of snack, whatever that might be, a big heaping bowl of ice cream. (laughs) That's my choice. I just try to limit it a little bit. But irregardless, we love to be at rest. We love to be at, uh, uh, to relax and to have a, a tranquil uh, deal or tran- just tranquility in our lives. And, and it's in confidence in God we can have rest. And that's not just that I'm busy or I'm sitting on a couch. Because there's a lot of people that sit on a couch but they don't have peace and there's no rest. Because they don't have a confidence in God. They don't know God and we look at this, we need that confidence. In Hebrews chapter 3 and 10 and 11, Wherefore I was grieved with that generation and said, They do always err in their heart. And listen to this. And they have not known my ways. Again, they don't know God. So I swear in my wrath, they shall, what does it say? Not enter into my rest. There is something to knowing God and Not God's actions. The children of Israel sure loved God's actions. Many of us love God's actions. They loved his miracles, but they didn't know God's ways. They didn't know his character. They didn't know who he was. When we only know God's works, we'll never have rest. We'll always and forever be uneasy. Because see, there's always going to be situations in our life that make us uneasy. The children of Israel, what did they do? They crossed the Red Sea. A couple days later, they said, God, Moses, why did you bring me here? There's no food. If they wouldn't have crossed the sea, they'd have all died right before the sea. They'd have just been thrown in the water. But no, God brought them through. And then they get to the other side, and what do they do? God, why would you do this? Moses, who are you, and why in the world would we allow you to do this? We should just go back to Egypt. How many times in our lives we praise God as God has shown us himself and he's done a miracle and he's done something in our lives and all of a sudden, three seconds later, we're like, God, why would you even allow this to happen? And we, we love God's works. But when we don't know God's ways, we cannot be at rest with who God is. God's presence is Restful. Matthew eleven twenty eight twenty nine. 29. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are, he- and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. What does it say? Learn of me. Know my ways. For I am meek and lowly in heart. And what does it say? Ye shall find rest unto our souls. It's knowing God. It's having a confidence in God that gives us rest. Again, the opening of the Red Sea, uh, taking a rock and smacking a rock, and all of a sudden they have water, manna falling from heaven. They were happy. Oh, look how amazing this is. Boom, and just like that, all of a sudden we're unhappy. 
There's never a peace. A deep peace that passeth all understanding. Peace when all we want to do is know the works of God and not the ways of God. It's knowing these ways that allow us to manage and have rest. Even when we may not understand. Because God's ways can be confusing. Have you ever had situations and you just are confused? Think about this. I get the questions all the time. If God was, then why? Think about this. Just go back to the New Testament. This is the only thing I'm going to look at for just a minute. If we look at the New Testament, Peter and James both went to prison. Both of them following Christ. Both of them preaching the gospel message of Jesus Christ. And both of them are prison for doing the work of God. What happened to James? His head was cut off. What happened to Peter? He got to stand before 3,000 people, preach Pentecost, start the church, if you will, and see a miraculous work of God. James goes to prison. Peter goes to prison. James's head's cut off. Peter preaches the gospel to 3,000 people come. What happened to John? Or Stephen, I'm sorry. We can go to John. John was... Stephen, what did Stephen do? Preach the gospel. Stephen's preaching the gospel. Stephen's a good dude. Peter sees 3,000 souls come to know Christ. Stephen gets hit in the face with 3,000 rocks. I don't understand. I can't stand before you and say, this is exactly why God did this with this guy and this with this, or this with this person and this with this. But here's what it is. When I know God, when I know his ways and not just the works of God, I can have rest in saying, God, I don't fully understand why you would do this. But I know you, and I know that you're sovereign. I know that you love me, and I know that there's a reason and a circumstance because of this situation. When I'm not knowing God, I can't have rest. His ways are what we ought to be after. Rest comes from intimacy with God, having a confidence in God, having that trust and that faith in God. In verse 14, my presence shall go with you. I will give thee rest. It's beyond the works of God. It's knowing God. We have confidence in God as we know his ways. And in that journey, we have rest. Confidence in God gives us stability. I'll go out on a limb that everyone enjoys stability in this room. We all like rest. We all like to be at peace. There's not a one of you that wants to go to work tomorrow and go, I hope I have a job. None of us want that. We want stability. I want to know that for the next six months, for the next year, for the next 10 years, I'm going to be stable. If you've lived paycheck to paycheck, if you've lived in any way, shape, or form where you're just uncertain of what's going to take place, it's uncomfortable. None of us like that. But in rest, in confidence in God, it gives us stability. I'm not one who uh, necessarily likes to have my routine messed up. Are you a routine person? I'm a routine guy. Not going to lie. I do some of the same things every single day at work. 
Every single Monday morning, I'm going to come in the office, I'm going to do a couple things, I'm going to go down to the coffee shop, and I'm going to study for a couple hours. Then I'm going to have lunch. Dan and I are going to meet about what's going to take place the next Sunday morning, and then I'm going to go back to studying for Sunday. Tuesday morning, I'm going to walk into the office, and I'm going to go through my office, do my thing that I do first thing in the morning. Then I'm going to go down to the coffee shop. I'm going to study some more, and I'm going to study some more. I'm going to have lunch, and then I'm going to come back, and Dan and I are going to meet over ministry things. And then after that, I have other meetings. And then on Wednesday, I'm going to wake up, and my routine is the same every day from about 8 o'clock in the morning to about 11.30. I'm going to study the Word of God for what I'm preaching this week or weeks to come. I don't like my routine to get messed up because when things come and it messes me up, then my, my mind is all scattered. And when something comes into my mind, I'm one of those guys, i got to deal with it. Which is good and bad. But I like stability, I like my routine. I like all of those things. I don't like when things mess up my world. You know, it was about a month and a half, right before Christmas. November is a bad month for me, I don't like November that much. My wife is born in November. Two of my daughters are born in November. Christmas is the following month. It's just an expensive month. Well, this last, no- <laughs> this last November, I love my kids and I love my wife, but it's just, it, it could have happened like spread her out. But anyway, I guess some of that is my fault. Um, so, <laughs> we shall pray and be done. Um, <coughs> so, it's all bad so this last November I'm looking at our budget I'm looking at finances and things are good then it's birthdays Christmas is coming up two of my kids had to get eyeglasses I don't know that there's any other kind of glasses but both my kids had to get eyeglasses I'm on a roll I'm on a roll Um, and then one or two of them had dentist appointments, all within a week and a half. And I was unhappy. Then I'm going, man, what happened to my, where, where'd my, my budget? It was all jacked up. My stability, we don't like that. We want stability. We want stability. And I get that we're not necessarily talking about those everyday things with stability, but that's what we want. And in our spiritual life, having confidence in God, it allows us to have stability. Why? If we go back, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. As I'm in God's word, as I'm studying God's word, as I know God, as I spend time in prayer, as I'm, I'm able to rest a little bit because I know why. When I know that God's in control, when I know that he is sovereign, when I know that he is all of those things that I can trust in it, when the things come that would cause us to, to, to shake a little bit, when the things come that ultimately would hurt I can still stop. I can have rest and peace, but I can still be stable. My world doesn't have to completely stop and crumble. Will it change? It might. It might. But when I'm confident in God, I can have a stability. Stability allows us to rest easy. Knowing God's ways gives us confidence. And again, it comes from knowing the works of God or knowing the, not the works, knowing the ways of God, not the works of God. It comes from knowing him. Moses said that he was face to face with God. And as we look at things in our lives, 
Stability only comes from God. Think about our churches today. Today we're, we're pretty full this morning, which is encouraging. Things are going good at Oasis Baptist Church. I believe that with all my heart. I believe God is doing something neat here. I believe God's done something neat here. It's exciting to watch and to be a part of. But you know what? What happens when a few things happen in the church? This person leaves. That person leaves. Next thing you know, we probably need a new pastor. We need a new leader. Nothing bad has happened. There wasn't anything immoral. There wasn't anything bad. But when things begin to get shaky, what happens in the church? People scatter. People begin to scatter. When things are good, everybody wants to come in. But all of a sudden, when somebody begins to talk and this, that, and the other thing, and we all of a sudden, we go, it's like a little, just a little bomb was dropped. Few people stick it out to fight through it. But a lot of people leave. Why? Stability. But our stability ought not be in some things that we would call stable in church. Our stability ought to be in God. Do you know there's churches that break up and close their doors every single day that haven't had one thing doctrinally or spiritually or immoral happen to their door, happen inside of their doors. That happens every day. More churches close every month than open. And I would say the good majority of them aren't because moral failure or anything that we would say happened spiritually that ought to cause concern. Some of it might be leadership styles, somebody's old, too young, too this, too that. But again, when I look at this, my stability, your stability ought not be in that. It ought to be in God. But we, when we have confidence in Him, we have confidence in Him, we continue through certain things that may not have otherwise allowed us to do that. Jesus experienced this. John chapter 2, in verses 23 and 24, Now when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover, in the feast day, many believed in his name, when they saw the miracles which he did. But Jesus did not commit himself unto them, because he knew all men. Jesus had performed a miracle, and everybody came. Jesus performed another miracle, and more people came. And Jesus did something over here, and more people came. And everybody said, I need to see this Jesus guy. What is going on when he comes into town? More and more people, and more and more people. Jesus stopped. Jesus began to teach truth. Jesus began to say a few things that were about to happen. He turns around. Where are they? They're all gone. He looks at his own disciples, and he says, hey, will you leave me too? It's knowing God. It's knowing God's ways, not just the works of God. Listen, I don't have a desire to be a church of 20,000 people. If God were to do that, then God were to do that, that'd be, I would stand here today and say that would be crazy because I would have no desire to do that. But here's, here's what I say. I 
I'll be good with church of 200 people. So long as we preach the gospel and the word of God is the foundation. If I have to change the word of God to reach another 25 people, then y'all ought to have a problem too. Which is why I tell you every day, as often as I can, whatever I say, you look it up and you study it for yourself. But here's what I'm saying. When we look at these things, when you know God, we have stability. When you know God, it's not about the stuff. Jesus turned around and they were gone. Jesus turned around and they were gone. Why? Because he began to tell them these are the things that are about to happen. This is the truths of why I'm here. And then he looks at his disciples and he says, are you about to leave also? Do you know they stayed? One of them ultimately betrayed him. But why? They knew God's ways. They knew Jesus' ways. They trusted him. They had faith in what was going on. And they began, did they have questions? Yeah. This morning, it's a very simple point. But how stable are you? Stability may not be the easiest thing in the world, but it is possible. I can be stable when I trust and when I have faith that my God is sovereign, that I know my God. I may have questions at times. I may not fully understand every single thing, but I can have stability in my walk with God. Confidence gives me rest. Confidence gives me stability. And lastly, this morning, confidence in God leads to a necessity of Him. It leads to the necessity of Him. I believe this last point can bring this all together in the next couple minutes. If we're to go the, back to the beginning of chapter 33, in verses 1, 2, and 3, it says this, And the Lord said unto Moses, Depart and go up hence, thou and the people which thou hast brought up out of the land of Egypt unto the land which I swear unto Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, saying unto thy seed will I give it. And I will send an angel before thee, and I will drive out the Canaanite, and the Amorite, the Hittite, the Perizzite, the Hivite, and the Jebusite, unto a land flowing with milk and honey, for I will not go up in the midst of thee, for thou art a stiff-necked people, lest I consume thee in the way. If you know much of the story here, right prior to this in chapter number 32, Moses was up on the mountain in Mount Sinai, and Moses was uh, doing the, the meeting with God and writing the Ten Commandments, and when Moses comes back down, Aaron had collected all of the gold, and Aaron had built a, an amazing golden calf. And Aaron uh, had met with all of these people. And when Moses comes down, he looks at complete debauchery. Just vile filth is taking place as these people are worshiping at this calf. And they're doing the things that they ought not do. Moses immediately begins to weep. Moses goes to God and intercessory. God, don't kill them. He begins to plead to God on their behalf. And as we look at this passage of scripture, Moses comes down and God has made a couple statements, and that's kind of the coming into chapter 33. In 31 of chapter 32, in verse 31 through 34, it says this. And Moses returned unto the Lord and said, Oh, this people have sinned a great sin and have made them gods of gold. Yet now, if thou wilt forgive their sin, and if not, blot me, I pray thee, out of thy book which has, thou hast written. And the Lord said unto Moses, Whosoever 
hath sinned against me, him will I blot out of my book. Therefore now go, lead the people unto the place of which I have spoken unto thee. Behold, mine angel shall go before thee. Nevertheless, in the day when I visit, I will visit their sin upon them. Confidence in God leads to a necessity of him. These people, these people had seen the hand of God. They have watched God do an amazing thing time and time and time and time again. But I want us to look at verse number three. Because it says this. I will not go up in the midst of thee. I will not go in the midst of thee. I don't know where you sit today. I don't know your walk with God. I don't know if you know Christ as Savior. But when we look at this passage of Scripture, I believe this is something that I have thought about for months and months and months. And as I studied this this week, it almost just all of those thoughts came and just made perfect sense. We had talked about the heart months ago. We had talked about out of the heart. We talked about growing and that our, our lives and that we know God personally and all of those things, looking at the heart. And I have had this thought in my mind of, God, I feel as if I watch people that would call themselves Christians that would say over and over and over again, oh, thank you, God, for all of your blessings. And you watch things and you go, God, are you really blessing them? Because I don't see any of you in the actions of their life. But yet I listen and I read, and just like you do, people go, man, God has been so good to me because of all of these things. And I want us to stop for a minute. This is scary. <laughs> this is maybe only for me, and if it is, then I'll take it. But God told Moses, and he told the people, I will send an angel. This angel is going to go. The angel will destroy all of the ites. And he's going before you. And he's going to wipe them all out. And I am going to give the children of Israel the land that flows with milk and honey that I have promised you forever ago. I'm going to give it to you. But I will not be there with you. Man, the scariest thing, and maybe I am just off my rocker, but the scariest thing is that we have the blessing of God without the blesser. We have victory without the victor. See, we have the land that flows with milk and honey, and we have all of the things, and, and God even sent the angel to make us and to allow us to get there, but we don't have God, and here's the problem, listen to me, and I may be off my crazy rocker, but listen to me, we are so willing to say, oh, look what I have, and look how good God is to me, but nowhere in your life is God present. We have to know the ways of God or we will be blessed without even having the blesser. There's far too many people in our churches that sit in the land that flows with milk and honey 
and they bask in all of God's goodness, but God ain't there. God ain't there. I don't say it to scare you. I don't say it to doubt salvation. I don't say it to any of those things. But all I know is I'm focused. We, uh, Vance Hafner said this. Let me, I'll use him. Vance Hafner said this. I'm often amused and amazed at the way we educate or we equate Christianity with success, popularity, and prosperity. We may not admit it. But we use the same gauge the world does. We just put a religious language on it. Oh man, God must be so good to you. God must be so good to your family. Look at all of the things that you have. Look at how good you look when you come to church on Sunday morning. Man, look at God just gave me a brand new car. Look how good God is. God just gave me a brand new house. Look how God, look, oh, he's so good to me. No! The lady that gave the one might, the widow's might, she had it right. She knew God. Nobody would have ever walked up to her and said, Oh, look how good God is. He's given you absolutely nothing. But she had God. We drive around and we have all these homes and we say and we go, oh man, God just is blessing them. Is he? Or has he blessed them, but he's just not there? Listen. Confidence in God, intimacy with God, trust and faith in God. Do you know what it does? <laughs> It allows me to see, oh, how much I need God and not stuff. It's probably better to be Stephen who was stoned than to have the land flowing with milk and honey and have no God. It's probably to be better to preach the word of God and have my head chopped off than preach to thousands of thousands of people. And have no God. And when I look at this passage, and when I think of that thought, and when I begin to put, put all these things together, knowing him through prayer, that I would be confident, and I would be able to rest in God, that I would be confident, and I'd be stable in God, and all of those things, you know what it shows me? When I know God's ways, I recognize my complete need and necessity that God will be right there in the midst. Not that he would open the doors so that we could go through them. No. God, I don't want you to open the door. Moses says in verse number 15, if you look at it in chapter 33, what does he say? And he said unto him, if thy presence go not with me, carry us not up hence. Moses said, God, they can have all of the land. They can do all of the things. But if you aren't going with me, I don't want you to. I don't want to go. I'll beg you this morning. I'll plead with you this morning. Do you know? Do you know God personally and in relationship? But Christian, do you know the ways of God? Do you know the ways of God? Not the work 
It's not by human reasoning. It isn't by coming to church and just hearing the word of God. Though church attendance is vital to you knowing God in an intimate manner because he's given us each other to encourage and to accountability and to all of these things, but it's, it's instead you and I going to God. It's, it's seeking his face. God, I want to know you. God, I want, God, I need you. The Bible says if we don't know, if we don't have the understanding and the knowledge to ask, the Bible says to seek and you will find. Are we seeking God or are we seeking to look okay but not have the hand of God? You know, it stinks. God constantly brings us into situations where we have nowhere else to turn but him. And the hard part about that is, too often in my life, that's when I turn to him. As opposed to the days and months and weeks and years leading up to that point that he gives me that situation. Am I seeking God intimately? Or am I using prayer as crisis management? Do I know God? Am I confident in God and I'm allowed to rest in him? Am I confident in God and it's giving me stability? Am I so confident in God that I so understand and see the necessity of God in the situation? Moses knew God. Moses knew God's ways. And therefore he said, absolutely not. I don't want to take these people into that land that flows with milk and honey if you aren't in it with me. Hey, you might have the blessing of all things. And God will bless you. He says that he'll give you the desires of your heart. He says that he wants you to live an abundant life. He says all of those things. But if my blessing is only just that, and I don't have God, man, we're in a bad spot. Let me ask you this morning as we close. Do you know God's ways? Are you confident in God? Father, I come to you today. And Lord, I, I feel that that last thought 